John chapter 1, verse 14 through 18 is kind of the main text, I guess you would say, for this message. And what I want to do today is share that verse with you. And I want to teach you for a few minutes what I would call five expressions of God's grace that I don't think we're completely familiar with. Um, And if you were, it will change your life. And I mean that sincerely, not just to promote a sermon I'm trying to preach, but to help you to see that there is more to God's grace on your life than not giving you the punishment you deserve. I got to help you to see this because there's a lot of people who are struggling with their walk with God, and they're struggling with this thing called condemnation. And condemnation is these words that are spoken, and it sounds a lot like us, but it feels a lot like God. And all it does is continues to tell us how awful, how terrible, how good for nothing we are. And I I want to dismantle that bomb today. I got stuff in my phone. I got stuff. So just pray for me as I share this. It's not that I'm unorganized. It's that uh, I'm trying to contain this stuff whenever it comes to me. And uh, sometimes it's just all over the place. So John chapter 1, verse 14 through 18. It says, The Word became flesh, capital W, the Word. That means that's Jesus, okay? The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus came, he came full of grace and truth. That is not how they expected him to come. They expected him to come as a ruler to wipe out all the bad guys. But he didn't come that way. He came full of grace and truth. And John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. I'm going to read that again. Out of of his fullness, out of his fullness of life, out of his fullness, we have all, say all, All. say all y'all, have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. That's the picture of how to become righteous. That was the picture of the stake last week. That was the picture. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, that was the real stake that we brought up here. The real thing came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Jesus Today, let your grace abound in this place. Let it infiltrate every heart, every mind. Let it completely wreck the system of thinking that we have had in place for so long to try to contain and obtain righteous living. Lord, today I pray that the good news that comes through your grace will transform our lives completely, turning us into the men and women of God that you say that we are instead of the person that we keep thinking that we are because of the condemnation that's in our mind. Today, Father, I pray for captives truly to be set free, for our lives forever to be changed. Give me grace today. Give me help today to share this message in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Grace in place of grace. Let me define grace. I want to recap real quick because I got one part I got to get to and I want to have time to do it. What is grace? It's the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon our souls, turns us to Christ, keeps us, strengthens us, increases us in our faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles us to the exercise of right living. A lot of times the idea of grace that we have is grace just helps me to get saved. And that is is awesome. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Thank God for his grace, amen? I mean, that is awesome. 
But what if our version of grace is just one facet, one expression of God's grace? And it's this, this idea of minimal thinking of, if all I have is the saving grace of God, then I have plenty. And I would just say that's not living out of the fullness of what Christ came to bring us. That's just some of it. But he wants you to have it all. And I'm not talking about possessions. Quit, quit thinking materialistic. And let's think about promise of the Father. Because if you can grab this today, I really believe that it's going to penetrate into every aspect of your life and truly change the way you think about the things that you're thinking about. A lot of the issue that we have is how we think of who God is. And how we respond to how we think who God is and how God is. And the best thought that you can come up with about God, can I tell you that he is even better than that? Can I tell you that the thoughts that God has about you, the best thought that you've thought that God has had about you, his thoughts about you are even better than that? Let me, let me, let me break it down and give you an explanation. You remember back in middle school, uh, and this seems to like really, really reach that, that point in middle school, your mama jokes. Y'all remember your mama jokes? Now, some of y'all are mamas now, and you used to tell your mama jokes. And I didn't come prepared to tell no mama joke today. I think it's a little disrespectful. I, this is not in the notes, okay? Just flow with me. But it's something about when somebody, when, when you can say that kind of stuff about your mama with a mama joke. But as soon as somebody else said that about your mama, some of y'all are not violent people. And you're training your children not to be violent people. But when they talk about your mama, there's a side of you that comes out that you didn't know that you had. Come on, am I talking to the right people? Maybe it's a spiritual gift. I don't know. I just know that something rises up in you. feels a lot like the Holy Ghost. That just, it's like this energy, it's this power, it's this presence that comes over you. And you might be a little bitty old guy, but you'll take on the biggest of them. Am I right? And so many times we do that to ourselves. We can talk down about ourselves, but when the Lord hears you saying that about yourself, it just causes something to rise up in him, to come and end that battle once and for all, to help you to see who he sees you as instead of who you think you are. See, today I feel like I'm on a mission to help someone get set free, not from the craziness that's going on around them, but from the thoughts that are going on inside of their own heads. Because if Jesus truly came to bring us good news and set us free, why are we so held captive to our own thinking. Is his power not good enough to break the thoughts of a man? Come on, is his grace not enough to cover the beatdown that we give ourselves every single day? See, if he didn't love you, he wouldn't have went to the cross for you. But he did. And so no matter what accusation the enemy or you could throw at yourself, it's not enough to measure up to the goodness, the greatness, and the grace of God. Some of you are struggling with that today. You don't want to amen me on that because you feel like that's allowing people to live any old way. And I would just address that and just tell you today, you have that pattern of thinking. You have the kind of pattern of thinking that holds people and keeps them bound rather than sets them free. And the best you can give is a picture of righteousness, but it ain't the real thing. I want to give you five expressions of God's grace. And this is so important because last week, if you remember, we said that grace isn't a characteristic of Jesus. It is who Jesus is. 
Because grace cannot be what grace is without a person to model it, to demonstrate it, to create it. And Jesus is grace. So it's not just one of God's characteristics that he has. It's who he really is. And grace isn't this conditional thing where God needs to see, okay, who is it? Let me see who it is. Okay, they haven't been that bad. And so I can show them grace, but they've been really bad. And so I've got to give them a different kind of grace. See, God isn't conditional with his grace. If that was the case, Jesus would have stopped short of the cross and said, I can't do this because there's that one guy who's just been too bad. And so I have to stop here and let him try to figure it out. See, this this bothers us because there are people who are worse than us that have done some things, maybe even that have offended us, that we don't believe deserve that kind of forgiveness and that kind of grace. And so we've got to redefine it according to our own terms. And God isn't defining his grace according to our terms. Thank God he does it because it would turn on ourselves. We would shoot our own selves in the foot. We would. Can I just tell you this? We are not good at being God. We are not. And one of the signs that we're trying to play God is pride. When you think you don't need God's help and when you think you got it all in and of yourself. So grace isn't conditional, okay? It's just how God operates. And it doesn't change based on people. And it's amazing how we like to do that. Or, or, or watch this. Oh, the grace period is over. He's not a collector. He's not a debt collector. He's a debt canceller. Hey. Let me say that again. He's not a debt collector. He's a debt can- canceller. He cancels debt. People are getting canceled all over the world. And God's like, I'm just trying to cancel the debt of the sinful. So they could be made right with God and go to heaven. Amen? Come on. And this is what's bad. It's one thing. For Satan to condemn somebody, it's another thing when a believer does it. It is another thing when a believer will cancel somebody and think that they don't receive the grace and mercy of God. That is such a spirit of pride, and it is nothing at all like Jesus. May God convict us. Amen? See, grace isn't a compromise. It's not like God saying, oh, let me let him get away with it. There was a price that had to be paid for our sins. The wages of sin is what? Death. Meaning this, sin has a price tag because it kills. That's why you see all through the Old Testament, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Find the perfect, unblemished, spotless lamb and put it on the altar and sacrifice this animal for the atonement of the sins of myself and my family. And after sacrificing animal after animal after animal after animal after animal that was never enough, God said, it's time for the once and for all perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God who will take away the sins in the world to come and pay the ultimate final price for past, present, and future sins. Again, this is going to mess with some people because it just feels like God is letting me get away with it. God's not letting you get away with it. Price was paid. He's just trying to get you to be right in his sight. Rather than struggling, trying to earn his righteousness, it costs too much. You cannot earn it and quit printing counterfeit bills to try to pay for it with righteous deeds that do not measure up because you can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can only receive it. Andre, I feel you trying to pull this out of me today, brother. I do. It's good when you got a preacher in the house. It just motivates you. Ah, Don't come take the mic on me, though, unless I'm struggling we got to go to the bullpen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let me give you five expressions of grace. The first one is this. We talked about it earlier. It's the saving grace of God. You, you should write these down, by the way. Five expressions of God's grace. I didn't really know how to say it because I didn't want to say five kinds of grace. I don't know. But I just know that these are the kinds of grace that you see expressed throughout the word of God. Okay? you got saving grace. And this is the unmerited favor of God. This is where God should have destroyed us. 
because that's what we deserve because of our sin. But he gave us grace instead of destruction. He said, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. Grace. Thank God for it. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's by grace. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God. The saving grace of God is a gift. You cannot earn it. You cannot do enough right things to make up for the wrong things you have done. That might be what you're trying to do in your marriage. And I'll kick that tire because that is not like the Lord. I understand you got to rebuild trust, but if you're still getting your spouse to pay for something they did 10 years ago, you do not look like the Lord. Anyway, back to the message. That'll wreck some people's lives right there. I just don't understand why we don't have harmony and balance in our marriage. 10 years, you're still holding them captive to that. They don't have the problem anymore. You do. Okay, back to the message. Okay, number two is justifying grace. This is good. That's the second one, right, Andre? That'll clean up the first one. Justifying grace. We are justified, meaning this, made right with God only by his grace. We're made right with God by his grace. So he saves you from your sin. Whoo, thank God he saved me. But man, my life is a mess. And I got to clean it up. Well, how are you going to clean it up? It's going to take the grace of God because you got some patterns in you that you've practiced for a long time. You got some sayings in you that's been there before you were thought of because your family was saying it three generations before you were even around. And it's just on autoplay in your mind. And it just keeps saying it over and over. And it feels like God. It sounds like God, but it's not God. But it's your saying. And it's a point of pride for you because this is what we say. Come on now. I got to mess with it because if, if we're going to really walk in the grace of God and truly live in freedom, we're going to have to break free even from some, quote, good things that we've got in our life that aren't really God things. Amen? Amen? So justifying grace, we are justified. We are made right. And here, here's the little expression preachers like to use, justified, just if I'd never done it. Now, this is where it's hard to comprehend because many of us believe God is still holding our sins against us, waiting for us to mess up again so he can bring it all back up when we do mess up. Now, that might be the pattern at your house for how you and your spouse operate, but that is not the grace and the goodness of God because the Bible tells us that when he forgives us, he remembers our sin no more. And you say, how does he do that? I'm not able to. Well, he's God. When you say all things are possible with God, well, he can do the impossible and forget your craziness whenever he puts it under the blood of Jesus. Thank God, am I right? Because some of us is like, uh-uh. Don't be talking about it, preacher. Don't bring it up. Don't want to talk about it. Justified. He looks at you just as if you'd never done it. Who do you know that can do that for you? And why do we have such a problem with God? We're friends with people, tight friends. Take up for them, defend them to the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Hang out with them. All these different things. And they will still bring up stuff that we used to do. And the Lord, it's not like one day randomly the Lord's going to say, Hey, Cynthia, you remember back in the day when you did this? The Lord's not going to do that. And if you have that thought, can I tell you, that is not the Lord. You say, well, who is it? Well, it could be the devil or it could just be you. You see, it could be you because your operating system is better at reminding you of what you've done wrong to try to get right than reminding you of what God said to make you right. Now we're getting to it, okay? Here's the next one. is teaching grace. Teaching grace. Grace teaches us to become holy. This is the process of sanctification, by the way. And sanctification is God knocking off some things in your life 
so he can make you right. Sanctify. Can I tell you, we're all in the sanctification process. You could be a kingdom veteran, been saved for 30, 40 years. You know all the Bible. Can I tell you, you are still in the sanctification process. Because the big thing you got to worry about now is knowledge puffing you up. And God will just carry a needle to pop that bubble every chance he can. Amen? He will. Sanctification, he's changing you. And when we stop changing, that's where we've got to be aware. Wait a minute. Where are you at, Lord? And he's probably like, where are you at? <laughs> His grace is changing you. This is how it says it in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. And this is for all those graces, grease people. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Watch this. It teaches us to say, oh, you got to read it better than that. It teaches us to say, no. what does it teach us to say? No, to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled. I told you grace isn't tolerance, man. It's life-changing, life-altering. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And some of you are like, well, what if I didn't say no to something? You need the grace of God. God, I didn't know you had that kind of grace. I just thought you had the kind of grace that saved me when I'm in trouble. Well, he does have that kind of grace. But he also has the kind of grace to help you to live right so you don't get into trouble. Amen? That's good grace. Am I right? It's not like God saved you and said, good luck, I'll see you later. He says, hey, I saved you, now let me help you to live right. Let me continually transform you into a new image. And listen, a lot of the battles that we're fighting, let me just go ahead and interject this right here. It is not that thing. It is ourselves. The biggest battle that you're fighting isn't your spouse, isn't that struggle that you can name off the top of your list and go into, you could write a book on it. And that is not your struggle. Your struggle is yourself. It's this system that you have created, grabbing a little, for, a little bit from here, a little bit from there, a little Bible, a little education, a little bit of old man wisdom, a little bit of what the lady said, put it all together, mix it in a pot, and it's a gumbo of belief. And it may taste good, but it's not good. Teaching grace. Here's the next one, enabling grace. It's the favor of God to perform a duty. Enabling grace is the favor of God to perform a duty. And we know the Bible tells us that God gives us gifts and he gives us these abilities. And we just went through, I would say, a 20-year trend of people touting their gifts and using it for themselves instead of using it to build up the body of Christ. We've called hobbies gifts. And I got a hit on this because it's more about having fun with our gifts than actually using them for purpose. And that's why you see such an infiltration of offense within the body of Christ because we just want people to validate the good things we're able to do. Amen. Instead of God transforming us into good people who have been gifted and graced by God to do some things that are useful to the building up of others within the body of Christ. This is so important that we share this because it's created just a mix and a, a mess, really, of just this whole idea of being gifted. Come on. I'm gifted. Wow. Everybody's mama thinks their kid is gifted. Am I right? Get off of it, man. This is what we're missing. There are people who don't think they're gifted, that God has given you an enabling grace to do some things that you didn't know that you were enabled to do until you got into that situation. And when you're in that situation and you're able to pull it off and make it happen, you're sitting there looking around like, I hope no one finds out that I really didn't know what I was doing. I was only able to pull this off by the grace of God. Holy cow, the grace in place helped me to pull this off because I ain't that good. 
the enabling grace of God. This is the parts I wanted to get to because you didn't realize that God can enable you to meet that deadline. See, all you're doing is rehearsing what didn't work that last time because you were dependent on yourself and what you were able to do. You didn't realize that God can enable you to pull it off. God can enable you to come up with the idea and bring it to a reality. God can enable you to pull off the business. There are a lot of people that God enabled to do business that are not that good at doing business. But he knew their heart. He knew that if he allowed them to be blessed with that business, they would return it to the Lord and build his kingdom. So God let some people who weren't that good at it have some grace to do some things that other people look at and say it ain't fair because God knew they would return it to him. Holy cow. Holy cow. All right, let's keep going. So Romans 12, 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. There's a grace that God has given you that will enable you to do some things that will blow some people's minds, starting with yours. That's a good day when God blows your mind. Amen? Come on, Jesus. Blow my mind today. Number five is the enduring grace. The enduring grace of God. The influence or spirit of God that regenerates and strengthens. It's like determination. It's like getting your fight back. This is the one that I think we are the most unfamiliar with. It's the enduring grace of God. I've been able to sit with people in broken marriages and for some reason they make it through and the only way I know that they were able to make it through it was the enduring grace of God I know people that God gave them a job and at first they called it a blessing and two years later it turned into a bomb that was about to go off And they stayed with the company and retired from the company. And how did they do it? It was the enduring grace of God. I've seen people stay way longer than what they should have. But it was what they were supposed to do. And how did they do it? It was the enduring grace of God. I've seen people take on loads that were so heavy that other people were trying to talk them out of because their little system puts you in the place of, oh, we just don't want anything bad to happen to you. And be careful as you hear this, okay? But God said to stay in that because there was an enduring grace on their life to carry just incredible amounts of pressure and responsibility that would have broken anyone had the grace of God not been on them. And I want you to know that there is the grace of God that is available to each one of us because there is this movement in the world today called quitting. And people are quitting things left and right. They're quitting God. They're quitting church. They're quitting work. They're quitting marriages. They're quitting on their kids. They're just quitting all kinds of stuff. And God didn't call us to be quitters. He called us to be faithful. And in order for you to be faithful, it's going to take the enduring grace of God and I believe there's a generation out there that's coming up that needs to see some endurance from some believers instead of falling into the world's narrative we need to fall into the word of God because there's grace in there so let me read this out of first Peter chapter 5 verse 6 through 12 it says humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time I should have read verse 5 where it says, but God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Okay? Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Say due time. Every Every woman that's ever been pregnant in here, you know about due time. And you always thought you should have went sooner than when you were due. That he may lift you up in due time. Watch this. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. He didn't say carry it. He said cast it. And a lot of us are carrying something we were supposed to cast. That's just good preaching right there. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. 
looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You're not the only one. Quit trying to outdo people with how bad it is for you. Come on. This is one of the bad parts of living in the South. Man, you tell me how bad it is for you, I'll one-up you. We walked uphill to school both ways in the snow. You live in the South, it doesn't snow. It ain't no hill. Look, I grew up in Louisiana, and I used to say, I walked uphill both ways. No, you did not. There is no hill except for the interstate overpass. It's all downhill, baby. We're below sea level in Louisiana. Anyway. Verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm. And here's the word I just couldn't wait to get to. Steadfast. steadfast Miss Carol I remember you came to my office that day and you told me that word steadfast I wrote it down steadfast that word just has a lot of weight to it steadfast I have this picture of someone who just can't stand anymore but they just make a decision I'm just going to keep standing To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, I kept verse 12 in it just so I could get to the end, but it says, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. And I just wonder, why did he give a shout out to Silas? Didn't Paul and Silas have a little falling out, Andre? Didn't they have a little little disagreement? But if you remember, Silas was one of the guys that was arrested with Paul and thrown in the prison and was thrown into the dungeon, the deep parts of the prison. And it was midnight. And they just started worshiping the Lord in the shackles, in the dungeon, in the prison. And the whole thing began to shake. And they came out free. And a bunch of people got saved. Just a bunch of stuff happened. It's in the Bible. You should read it. But I realized that this wasn't just a shout out, but this was testifying of someone who's been through it who was in it and went through it and came out of it and today there's people in this room on the outside it doesn't look like you're handcuffed and in a dungeon it looks like you're living in paradise because everyone thinks you've got it if we could be like them but they have no clue what's going on in your mind. No clue of the thoughts that's been recycling that you fight every single day. You fought it this morning. We're playing these songs and you really have a heart to worship, but you cannot move in worship because the thoughts begin to tell you, how are you going to lift your hands when God saw all that you did and said this week? You used that language on Thursday. Now you're going to come in here on Sunday and throw up your hands in the air and worship the Lord? And do you feel how um, so correcting that sounds to ourselves? Because it's like we're going to teach ourselves a lesson by thinking that way. And the Father is just like, I'm just glad to see you. 
But we don't have that view of the Father because we know how people are. And what I want to help you to see is that God's grace is better than people and how they've treated you. And it's better than you and how you've treated yourself. And this morning I heard the Lord just speaking to me saying that there are people in the room that you're dealing with echoes from the past. Echoes of words that were spoken in the past that you're hearing today. And that is not the word that's being spoken. It's just the echo that was once spoken. But that is not true today. It's echoes of the past from years ago. And I felt like the Lord said there's also simulated voices. Come on, just forgive me for being a little technical with this. But we're hearing simulated voices. Y'all hearing about this AI thing and how they're able to simulate voices and all that. And we're not going down the rabbit hole. Just stick with me. Simulated voices where there are words being spoken inside of our mind, inside of our head. Watch this. It sounds like it may be coming from God. But it doesn't align with what he said in his word. This is so important because there's a lot of simulation going on with people hearing from God. And for those of you who are deeper, I'll just say it like this. Playing around with familiar spirits of what you want God to say instead of what God is actually saying. Don't play with the voice of God. Amen? Amen. But there are simulated voices. Please forgive me if this is going too far, but I feel like I had to say this today. These voices have enough religion in it to make it sound like God. But it doesn't lead us to change. It keeps us in our captivity. And it just plays it over and over and over again. Um, it continues to tell you that you're wrong and doesn't lead you to being right. Simulated voices. Men, this is you. Simulated voices. Echoes from the past. Words from an authority figure. A teacher, a coach, a boss, a father, a preacher. That the attempt to try to fix you. you hear that? To fix you. Instead of make you right. To control you. It echoes on and on through the years it's a familiar voice and it simulates the voice of God but it has a distorted message I'll give you the perfect example the Garden of Eden, the serpent did God really say use those same words and twisted them See, the whole thing in the garden wasn't just temptation. It was manipulation. And this is what you got to get. Because it was good for wisdom, which is something in the mind. And, but it wasn't good wisdom. And there's a lot of operating systems that we have in our lives, y'all, that we did not build on the Word of God. I just got to hit this, man. And it's showing up everywhere in our lives because we want grace, but we're not good at giving grace. We want forgiveness, but we're still holding grudges against people from 30 years ago. That's not even a part of our lives, but we can bring them up in a conversation like that. In fact, some of them have passed away and gone to heaven or maybe even have gone to hell. I don't know. I'm not God. But we're still dealing with that stuff from them. It's simulated voices, echoes, simulations. There are things that you're telling yourself that you've led yourself to believe that it's really God. And it's not God. It's you. 
we wrestle with things that we call generational curses. Can I tell you, the curse is broken at the cross. And there is grace for all of that stuff. You don't have to repeat all of that stuff. But there's the other side of it, which is generational practices. Because we're still acting the same way, even though we we don't want the curse to be on us. There's grace for that today. And guys, I want you to hear the heart of this entire message today. You were meant to live free. You were supposed to live like, like someone who is just running through a field, but we're walking through a tight hall, just trying not to mess up. And God said, there's more grace for your life than living like that. So many people have limited their lives and we're not even willing to take a risk for something that God told us to do because we calculate every single little thing and we overthink it to the nth degree and if it doesn't measure up with everything that we think we question God we doubt God forgetting that God would give us his grace he gave us the very best through Jesus we quoted I can do all things through Christ do we really believe that do we really live that or is that just to make us feel better come on And I just feel like there are people in this room that are going to church and they're worshiping God, but we're meant to live for so much more in their lives. There's so much ministry that's trapped beyond the walls of opinions and offense that sits even in this room today. I'm not going to serve because I don't like doing it that way. God might expose you to doing it a different way because he's trying to break that stronghold in your life. Amen? He will put you in a place of weakness so that his grace will abound. We're afraid of weakness because we got to put on the image of strength all the time. Because I don't want anyone to think something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with every one of us. And it's called sin. But God said I loved you enough that I would send Jesus to atone and to cover and put an end to it once and for all. And that curse of sin is broken off your life so that you can live free. And you can live in the power of God. And you can walk through the storm. You can walk through the fire. You can walk through the flood. You can endure. You can make it. You can do it. I believe it. Do you believe it today? So many times we think grace is just a pat on the back. But it's the hand of God that leads us with authority. It's the hand of God that calmed the storm on the seas because God has some grace to dispense to a bunch of people. Come on, somebody. Some of you are walking through some things right now, and you can't figure out the grace of God. Because if God was really gracious, I wouldn't be going through it. But you forgot what we read, and Peter said it. Let's go back to it. Put 1 Peter chapter 5 back up there. Verse 9. Resist him standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the grace of all, the the God of all grace, I'm going to get it who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while. Will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. He's like, how did Peter know to write that? Well, you see, there was this one time Where Jesus told Simon Peter, he said this. Y'all listen. He says, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Study it out. That means to shake you to the very message of your salvation. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But he said, but I'm praying for you. And after this, you will go and strengthen the brothers. We won't out of the struggle, but there's something in there that God's trying to give you. I'm not trying to prolong your struggle. I'm just trying to give you a clue that if you pay a little bit more attention to what God's trying to give you in the struggle, you may get out of it a little bit quicker. Just trying to do a little deduction here. You know what I'm saying? But he reminded them to stand fast in it. Stand fast in it. The grace of God. The grace of God. When you hear, may God's grace be upon us. Look at it. 
through these five expressions instead of just that little hand pat on the back. See, it's not just a greeting. It's the key to how we should operate. If you're walking through something today and you need God's grace on your life, I just need you to stand to your feet this morning. Maybe a battle with your health, with your marriage. Maybe it's some stuff going on at work. Maybe you're a young person. You're wrestling with your future. Maybe you've just been battling with yourself, trying to break some things off from a bad family experience. Maybe you're just a church person who's been around so long that you have reduced the word of God and who God is to all about behavioral manipulation instead of life change and freedom. God, today, my goal is just to help people to see your goodness and your grace today. Because I know there's nothing as a man that I can do that can change a person. But it's only your grace that truly brings lasting life change. And every person that's standing on their feet today, I pray for them. I want you to lift your hands as you stand at your seat. If you're sitting by them, just put a hand on their shoulder. Father, every person that stands today needs your grace. Come on, just tell them, God, I need your grace. Need your grace. There's struggles that are going on in our mind. The spiritual attacks. The family discord. That thing the doctor said. For that student who is looking at their future, trying to figure out if this this path is going to get them there. For that man who is beating himself down for things he did when he was 16. Those same voices that have been on repeat over and over. That has held him hostage. For that woman that has just been inundated with insecurities. Thank you, Lord, that your grace is greater than all of these things. And that in place of all of these operating systems, Lord, we ask that your grace will come and be the operating system of our life. That you, Jesus, will infiltrate the pain. That you, Jesus, will infiltrate the mindset and the thoughts and the patterns, Father. Lord, I just ask you today, Jesus, to come in and rearrange and restore and renew our minds, renew our thinking. Renew us, oh Father, I pray. Only by your grace, oh God. Marriages renewed and restored. Forgiveness flowing in and out of our lives. Condemnation coming to an end. The promises of God flowing out of our mouths. The wisdom that brings life and hope, Father. Lord, let it begin. Let it begin today. Break chains of bondage sins that have stuck around that you've been trying to sanctify. Let your grace cover them today. Let your grace justify them today. Let your grace teach us today. Let it enable us to overcome it and let us endure us. Give it us an endurance, God. Thank you for your grace today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace in place grace in place
don't you all stand to your feet? I just want you to take a moment right here and lift your hands. He's been so good to you. He's been so good to me. I just want us to take a moment right here. Thank God for his grace. Because there's, there's some of us in here. There was that one time where it should have been over for you. You probably should have went to jail. And somehow or another, the grace of God stepped in. A marriage should have ended. The grace of God stepped in. That kid could have been in so much trouble, but the grace of God. Come on, lift your hands. and Just God, thank you for your grace today. Even the accounts, I didn't even think it was your grace. Even the accounts where I thought it was me, that I earned it, I made it happen. God, today, we take our eyes off ourselves and we fix it on you. The success of our lives, Father, instead of taking credit for it, we give you credit for it now. It's only by your grace. We know where we came from. It's only by your grace. Father, I pray today that we will walk in your grace and that it will transform us truly and completely. God, we need your grace. Today we come boldly to the throne of grace. We thank you for it today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Grace of God, grace in place.